0: And good afternoon, you're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios, right here in exciting. El Paso, Texas. gateway to the Old West. And the most haunted city in the country. Well, One day January 17th. 17th day of the year. 348 days remain to the year's over with. Let's see. (coughs) (laughs) Let's try it one more time. I thought I was getting better. But this stuff just hangs on. Well, today is National Classy Day. National Hot Butter Rum Day. National Bootleggers Day. <coughs> <coughs> Let's try that again. National Bootleggers Day. Cable Car Day. Guru Gobind Singh Jayanti. National Kid Inventors Day. Dit's New Year's Resolutions Day. Popeye Day. The, uh, I mean, don't forget, Popeye is famous for his silly catchphrases. So, today's the perfect day to throw them around because it's Popeye Day. It's created January 17th, 1929. That was the day the Popeye character came from the mind of E.C. Seeger. All right, it's Benjamin Franklin Day, Museum Selfie Day, Energy Saving Week, and Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. Now, there's a bunch of famous birthdays that took place today Betty White, Muhammad Ali, Jim Carrey, Ben Franklin, Zoe Deschanel, Michelle Obama. Yeah. James Earl Jones, Jake Paul, Dwayne Wade, Steve Harvey, Eartha Kitt. It's Veganary Month, Thyroid Awareness Month, National Slow Cooking Month, Bread Machine Bacon Month, National Skating Month, January, Dry January, National Blood Donor Month, Manuary. International Brain Teaser Month, National Clean Up Your Computer Month, National Soup Month, Get Organized Month, International Creativity Month, Celebration of Life Month, National Oatmeal Month, National Be Kind to Food Service Month, double that tip, National Hot Tea Month, National Birth Defects Awareness Month, Get a Balanced Life Month, and National Hobby Month. Alrighty. Well, that's not going to work. In 38 B.C., Octavian divorces his wife, Scribonia, and marries Livia Drusilla. Ends the fragile peace between the second Triumvirate and the and Sextus Pompey, the, uh, Sextus Pompey was, a uh, Roman military leader throughout his life, upheld the cause of his father, Pompey the Great, against Julius Caesar and his supporters during the, the last civil wars of the Roman Republic, and he formed the last organized opposition to the Second triumvirate for it, in uh, defiance of which he succeeded in establishing and independent state in Sicily for a number of years. There's a lot to be said for taking a stand. 1362 A.D., St. Marcellus's flood kills at least 25,000 people on the shore of the North Sea. Now, it was an intense, extra-tropical cyclone, coincided with the new moon. It was swept across the British Isles, the Netherlands, northern Germany, and Denmark. Um, Storm tides also called the second St. Marcellus's Flood, because it peaked on January 16th, the feast day of St. Marcellus. A previous first St. Malercellus's flood uh, drowned 36,000 people along the coast of West Friesland and Groningen, January 16, twelve nineteen. An immense storm tide from the North Sea swept far inland from England and the Netherlands to Denmark and the German coast. Broke up islands, making parts of the mainland into islands, and wiped out entire towns and districts. These included uh, Rungholt, said to have been located on the island of Strand in North Frisia, Revanserod in East Yorkshire, and the harbor of Dunwich in Suffolk. This particular storm tide, along with others of like size in the 13th and 14th century, played a part in the formation of the Zee, characteristic of the unsettled and changeable weather in Northern Europe at the beginning of the Little Ice Age. All right. In thirteen seventy-seven, Pope Gregory XI reached Rome after deciding to move the papacy back to Rome from Avignon. Fifteen twenty-four, Giovanni di Varrazano set sail westward from Madeira, to find a sea route to the Pacific Ocean. Fifteen sixty-two, France grants religious toleration to the Huguenots in the Edict of Saint-Germain. And in 1595, during the French Wars of Religion, Henry IV of France declared war on Spain. Okay, in the year 1608, Emperor Sassanios I of Ethiopia surprised an Oromo army at Ibanat. His army reportedly killed 12,000 Oromos at the cost of only 400 of his own men. 1648, England's long parliament passes the vote of no addresses, breaking off negotiations with King Charles I, and thereby settling the scene for the second phase of the English Civil War. 1649, the Second Armand Peace creates an alliance between the Irish Royalists and Confederates during the War of the Three Kingdoms. Coalition was indecisively defeated during the Cromwellian Conquest of Ireland. 1773, Captain James Cook leads the first expedition and sails south of the Arctic Circle. Uh, the Antarctic Circle, I'm sorry. Seventeen eighty-one, American Revolutionary War, Battle of the Cowpens, Continental troops under Brigadier General Daniel Morgan defeat British forces under Lieutenant Colonel Benastri Tarleton at the Battle of South in South Carolina. Seventeen ninety-nine, Maltese patriot Don Zeri along with a number of other patriots, are executed. 1811, Mexican War of Independence. In the Battle of Calderon Bridge, a heavily outnumbered Spanish force of 6,000 troops defeats nearly 100,000 Mexican revolutionaries. 1852, the United Kingdom signs the Sand River Convention of the South African Republic with the South African Republic. 1873, a group of Modoc warriors defeats the U.S. Army at the First Battle of the Stronghold. Part of the Modoc War, eighteen eighty-five, British force defeats a large Dervish army at the Battle of Abu Kalia in the Sudan. The Dervish, for those that are not familiar with that term, in uh, Islam can refer broadly to members of a Sufi fraternity, or more narrowly to religious mendicant who uh, chose or accepted material poverty. This later usage is found particularly in Persian and and in Turkish, as well as in the uh, musig corresponding to the uh, Arabic uh, fakir. The uh, the Dervish uh, fought the British uh, for quite some time. <laughs> 1893, Lauren Thurston, along with the Citizens Committee of Public Safety, led the overthrow of the Kingdom of Hawaii and the government of Queen uh, Liliuokalani. 1899, the U.S. takes possession of Wake Island in the Pacific Ocean. 1903, Oyunki National Forest in Puerto Rico becomes part of the United States uh, National Forest System as the the Quio Forest Reserve. 1904, Anton Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard gets his premier performance at the Moscow Arts Theater. 1912, British polar explorer Captain Robert Falcon Scott reaches the South Pole. One month after, Roald Amundsen. 1915, Russia defeats Ottoman Turkey in the Battle of... uh, Surakamish during the uh, Caucasus campaign of the World War I. 1917, U.S. pays Denmark $25 million for the Virgin Islands. 1918, Finnish, Finnish Civil War. first serious battles take place between the Red Guards and the White Guards. The Red Guards, of course, were Bolshevik supporters. And the White Guards uh, were royalist. 1920, alcohol prohibition begins in the US as the Volstead Act goes into effect. Prohibition, which was the biggest shot in the arm organized crime ever had. 1941, the Franco Thai War, Vichy French forces inflict a deciphered defeat over the Royal Thai Navy. 1943, World War II, Greek submarine. Papanicolis captures the 200 ton sailing vessel Agios Stefanos and mans her with part of her crew. 1944, World War II, Allied forces launched the first of four assaults on Monte Cassino. The intention of breaking through the Winter line and seizing Rome. That effort would ultimately take four months and cost 105,000 Allied casualties. 1945, World War II, the Vistula Oder Offensive forces German troops out of Warsaw. 1945, the SS Totenkopf-Virabande began the evacuation of the Auschwitz concentration camp as the Red Army closes in. 1945, the Swedish diplomat uh, Raoul Wallenberg is taken to Soviet custody while in Hungary. He is never publicly seen again. To this day, they don't admit they killed him. 1946, the UN Security Council holds its first session. 1948, the Renville Agreement between the Netherlands and Indonesia is ratified. This particular agreement uh, seeks to reestablish it. um, Through that agreement, Netherlands sought to uh, reestablish its colony in Southeast Asia. And the Indonesian Republicans uh, seeking for Indonesian depend- independence during the. <laughs> well, I don't know if I ever get over this cough. Yeah, the government was named after the USS Renville, the ship in which the negotiations were held while anchored in Jakarta Bay. 1950, the Great Brinks robbery. Eleven thieves steal more than $2 million from an car companies. Offices in Boston. 1950, United Nations Security Council Resolution 79, uh, dealing with arms control, is adopted. 1961, President Eisenhower delivers a televised farewell address to the nation. Two days before leaving office, in this address, he warned against the accumulation of power by the. Uh, so-called military-industrial complex was the dangers of massive spending, especially deficit spending, which unfortunately, even though uh, if you listen to him, he's responsible for everything that anybody's ever done. um, Biden doesn't understand the meaning of deficit spending. 1961, former Congolese Prime Minister Patrice Lumumba is murdered in circumstances suggesting the support and complicity of the governments of Belgium and the U.S. 1966, Palomares incident. B-52 bomber collides with a KC-135 stratotech over Spain. Killed seven airmen and dropped three 70-ton nuclear bombs near the town of Pella Morris, another one into the (coughs) sea. Okay, 1969, the Black Panther Party members, Bunchy Carter and John Huggins, are curating a meeting in Campbell Hall on the campus of UCLA. 1970. Okay, one more time. 1977, capital punishment in the U.S. resumed after a 10-year hiatus. As convicted murderer Gary Gilmore is executed by firing squad in Utah. 1981, President of the Philippines Ferdinand Marcos lives martial law eight years and five months after he declared it. 1991, Gulf War. Operation Desert Storm begins early in the morning as aircraft strike positions across Iraq. It's also the first major combat sortie for the F 117. Commander uh, Scott Spacer's fa 18 c Hornet from uh, vfa 81 is shot down by MiG-25. And it's the first American casualty of the war. Iraq fires eight uh, Scud missiles into Israel in an unsuccessful bid to provoke uh, Israeli retaliation. 1991, Crown Prince Harold of Norway becomes King Harold V, following the death of his father, King Olav V. 1992, during a visit to South Korea, Japanese Prime Minister Keiichi Miyazawa apologizes for forcing Korean women into sexual slavery during World War II. 1994, a 6.7 Northridge earthquake shakes Greater Los Angeles with a maximum McKaylee intensity of 9, which is considered violent, leaving 57 people dead and more than 8,700 injured. 1995, the 6.9 Great Hansen earthquake strikes the southern Yogo prefecture with a maximum shindo of seven, leaving uh, 5,502 to 6,430 people dead and 251,000 to 310,000 displaced. 1996, the Czech Republic applies for membership in the European Union. 1997, the um, Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, a Delta II uh, carrying the GPS-11R1 satellite explodes 13 seconds after launch, dropping 250 tons of burning rocket remains around the launch pad. 1998, clinton scandal scandal. Matt Drudge breaks the story of the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky affair on his Drudge Report website. 2002, Mount Nyiragongo erupts in the Democratic Republic of Congo, displaced more than 400,000 people. 2007, the doomsday clock is set to five minutes to midnight in response to North Korea's nuclear testing. 2010, rioting begins between Muslim and Christian groups in Jose, Nigeria, resulting in at least 200 deaths. 2013, former cyclist Lance Armstrong confesses to his doping in an airing of Oprah's next chapter. 2013, Shazad Lugman is murdered by members of the Golden Dawn in Predalona, Athens, leading to the creation of new measures to combat race-based attacks in Greece. For those not familiar with the Golden Dawn, um, it's an ultra-nationalist criminal organization, a former political party in Greece. It's far right. It's neo-Nazi. It rose to prominence during Greece's financial crisis, 2009, becoming the third most popular party in the Greek Parliament in the January 2015 election. Now, of course, it's lost a lot of that support since and failed to enter Parliament in the 2019 election criminal trial against the leaders frequently described as the largest nazi trial since the nuremberg trials lasted more than 5 years 2016 president barack obama announces the joint comprehensive plan of action the uh, it's commonly known as the iran nuclear deal the iran deal it's an agreement on the iranian nuclear program reached in Eastern vienna between iran and the P5 plus 1, that's uh, the five permanent members of the United Nations Security Council plus Germany, along with the European Union. 2017, the search for the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 is announced to be suspended. And in 2023, an avalanche strikes the Inchi I bet. Killed 28 people. Well, we started talking about curses yesterday. And of course, there's a lot of um, alleged curses. Some have more validity than others. We're starting out talking about Friday the 13th. Now, it's long been associated with uh, Bad luck and misfortune. His legacy extends back to Friday, October 13th, 1307. The, uh, the Knights Templar had been tasked with uh, protecting the sake of the relics and providing safe passage to pilgrims on their way to the Holy Land. But the problem is they became successful. Philip the Fair, Philip the Fourth of France... was forced to seek sanctuary with the Templars, their um, commandery in Paris, and he laid eyes on their treasury. And he decided he had to get it. He needed the money. Well, on that particular day, October 13th, 1307, Philip orchestrated a grand scheme to seize the order's assets and destroy its reputation. Many innocent Templars were tortured and imprisoned for life on fabricated charges of heresy, and some were even executed. Uh, according to History.com, many of the men were likely stretched on the rack or had their feet dipped in oil and held over a fire to burn. I mean, it's tragic event uh, cast a permanent shadow over Friday the 13th. The event stained with the blood of knights who many believe protected sacred relics. Over time, the memory of the Templars' downfall morphed into a broader stigma surrounding Friday the 13th. Superstitions became ingrained in modern-day culture. Countless legends and Tales have been spun about this uh, ill-fated day. Black cats, broken mirrors, rituals to ward off evil spirits have emerged in response. The fear surrounding Friday the 13th has become uh, such a cultural touchpoint it even spawned its own psychiatric diagnosis. If you suffer anxiety about this date, you have a condition known as parascavida. Get a phobia. In other words, you're not so. Well when it comes to superstition, broken mirrors have long held a prominent place in folklore, but the belief that breaking a mirror will result in seven years bad luck can be traced back to ancient Rome. This custom arose from the Roman's belief in the soul's ability to rejuvenate itself over a seven-year cycle. They believed any damage inflicted on the reflection, which they interpreted as an extension of uh, your inner essence, would disrupt this uh, crucial process. Consequently, individuals subjected to this particular curse would be burdened with ill-fated encounters and dire circumstances throughout those critical years. And the contributing factor was the uh, perceived value of mirrors, as they were once considered an important status symbol. Louis XIV, the Sun King, set the example by installing the Hall of Mirrors in Versailles. After that, displaying a mirror was a mark of refinement, power, wealth, and self-confidence. And nobody wants to be the one to destroy such a luxurious item. Well, in an effort to uh, combat this uh, ill-fated omen, different rituals would have emerged from uh, across various societies. Some remedies call for burying the broken mirror under a tree at the night of the full moon or submerging the shards in flowing water to cleanse the mirror's energy and dispel any potential negative consequences. Others purport that the curse can be shed by Performing rituals such as touching a tombstone with the mirror. Spending three times counterclockwise, throwing salt over your left shoulder. Burying the pieces by moonlight, usually at a crossroads. Or grinding the shards up into powder. Unfortunately, the most common belief is you simply have to wait for the curse to be lifted after seven years are up. Well... Let's talk about the curse of the Flying Dutchman. Now, legend has it, Flying Dutchman was a ghost ship captained by a cursed sea captain. He's fated to roam the seas for all eternity, stuck in a perpetual cycle of aimlessness. Kind of like Congress. The spectral vessel has long been a subject of maritime folklore, capturing the imagination of sailors and Landlubbers alike. The tales surrounding the Flying Dutchman are as varied as they are exciting, but they all share one common thread. Saturday's phantom ships believed to be the omen of impending doom. For centuries, accounts of encounters with the Flying Dutchman have been uh, passed down. Typically, witnesses describe the ship as Appearing during stormy or foggy weather, illuminated by an eerie glow, tattered sails billowing fiercely in the wind. Among those who uh, claim to have seen it is uh, the one seen by the HMS Bacanti, British Royal Navy ship, 1881. That's according to Maritime News resource Maritime Insight, and according to this story, future King George V who was a midshipman as a part of the vessel's crew, and Prince Victor Albert are said to have sighted the ghost ship on the uh, Australian waters at about four o'clock in the morning. Now, a lot of folks believe that the curse can be traced all the way back to Captain Hendrik van der Dickens' ill-fated journey around the treacherous Cape of Good Hope in the 1600s. It's said that his hubris and outright refusal to retreat from a ferocious storm led to an ultimate damnation worse than death. He's doomed to sail the oceans as a restless spirit for all eternity. Whether the Flying Dutchman is merely an alluring myth or something more mysterious, it continues to cast a haunting shadow across our, our collective consciousness. Now, another legend of the sea deals with Davy Jones's locker. You know, deep in the ocean's depths lies what's uh, said to be the notorious Davy Jones's locker, a dreaded purgatory for drowned sailors and wayward pirates. It's a metaphor for the uh, resting place of those lost at sea. It's a place where tormented spirits are forever submerged in murky waters with only the wreckage of their ships and stores of ghostly sirens to keep them company. As yes, for it's name? Among the Welsh seafaring community, David Jones refers to their patron saint, Saint David, who they believe saves them from the ocean's harsh nature. According to the legend, Saint David will only protect the good sailors. In memorial, seafarers are sent down to David Jones's locker. Simon's reputation as a, an aquatic graveyard has long terrified uh, seafarers who come too close only to find themselves drawn to its uh, ethereal realm. If you venture too close to this mysterious place, you might uh, meet the ultimate tragic faith at sea. Now, there are countless stories surrounding this curse that have captivated the imagination of sailors and landlubbers alike, giving rise to superstitions and urban legends associated with maritime life. The exact origin of the legend of Davy Jones's Locker is difficult to pinpoint, but it has appeared in various pieces of literature dating back to 18th century England. The locker, it's said to be ruled by Davy Jones himself, an evil sea devil with tentacles for a beard and a gnarled crab claw in place of an arm. He ominously collects the souls of sailors who perish at uh, his hands. And as for those who dare to disregard those warnings and venture forth into these cursed waters are often spoke of in uh, hushed whispers among fellow seafarers who fear, unfortunately, they'll meet the same faith. Well, from the bottom of the sea, let's go to uh, some of the upper reaches. (coughs) Let's talk about the curse of the Iceman. 1991, an archaeological find took place in the uh, Italian Alps. While the Ice Man, also known as Otzi, a mummy who had been frozen and astonishingly well-preserved for over 5,300 years. This discovery left the world of archaeology in absolute awe. 2012, scientists made the first complete genome sequence on Otzi. Determined a man had a predisposition for a cardiovascular disease and brown eyes that, betray, that betrayed possible Near eastern origins. That's according to the religious tabloid, the mirror. And though his icy tomb served as a treasure trove for scientists who've learned much about life during the Copper Age. Many began to suspect an ancient curse was at work when several people associated with Otzi's discovery met untimely deaths. Unfortunate events and tragedies have since fueled speculation about a potential link to a mysterious and inexplicable power. Other researchers affiliated with this enigmatic uh, case have since met their own tragic ends. Dr. Konrad Spindler, the lead examiner of the mummy, succumbed to complications from ulcerative sclerosis after dismissing talk of the curse is utter nonsense. Raynor Hen, a forensic expert involved in the case, was killed in a car accident. And he was tra- killed on the way to give a lecture about atsi a string of unfortunate events didn't end there. Expedition leader, Kurt Fritz, met his demise in an avalanche. a avalanche. Man named Helmut Simon, who was one of the original people to discover Hotsey, ended up dying from uh, near the same location years later. And his body, when it was found, was frozen solid. Well, as the tragedies began to pile up, it's hard not to wonder if Hotsey's indeed and act of revenge from beyond the, the grave on people who dare to disturb his eternal slumber. Now from the Italian Alps, let's go to Nova Scotia, Oak Island. It's got its own curse. Now, Oak Island is shrouded in mystery and legend of buried treasure and ancient artifacts and maybe even a connection to Shakespeare. One prominent theory is that explorer William Phipps led an expedition to the island in the 17th century to bury the remaining treasure that was used to finance the overthrow of King James II. Now there's another theory that suggests it was Scottish pirate Captain William Kidd who buried his loot there during a, one of his voyages. The 90-foot deep hole where the treasure is supposedly hidden under layers of platforms has been dubbed the Money Pit. It's a hole, some believe, was booby trapped with flood tunnels by the people that originally dug it. The island is also home to a rumored prophecy. When it declares seven people have to die before its treasures are revealed. So far, there have been six deaths associated with the search for the treasure on Oak Island. Now, there are those that claim a seventh death occurred in 2014 when Matt Chisholm, a producer of the Curse of Oak Island TV series died suddenly after allegedly obtaining information about an omasonic map. But it's believed by many that this was uh, just a coincidence. Despite many findings of fascinating historic artifacts in Oak Island, to this day no treasure has been found. Leaving modern day explorers questioning if it exists at all. But a lot of folks believe there is something there anything from Shakespeare's manuscripts to Marie Antoinette's jewels to relics like the Holy Grail of the Ark of the Covenant. And there's always going to be new people willing to try their luck to break the curse of Oak Island. <coughs> well, it's long been as long as there have been people, there have been beliefs that something bigger than is driving human destiny. It may be humans, it may be hexes, it may be some other phenomena. Well, curses have long held power over human history, capturing our imagination, inspiring terror in equal measures. But what exactly is a curse? I've used that term quite a bit since I started this segment. But what is a curse? And why have they become such a significant part of our collective consciousness? Well, we're going to look at uh, the various ways this phenomenon has weaved its way across uh, different cultures and generations. And in fact, the reasons that they're still around today. You know, at their core, curses and malicious wishes or pronouncements intended to bring misfortune or adversity to others. Otherworldly force can be cast through rituals or spoken words or written text according to history and the archaeological platform, uh, ancient origins. We often associate curses with magic, the supernatural, and the darkest recesses of human desire. This leads to a pervasive sense of mystery and danger to our shared experiences. And for good reason. To most of us, no matter how rational we are, there is a belief to some extent in the power they hold. This magic comes in many different forms and names depending on the culture. The ancient Mesopotamian civilizations believed in the sorcery of knots. By entangling and twisting strands of string or hair into knots while invoking maledictions, the sorcerer could ensnare the victim's life force. Being social creatures, humans have always relied on communication Cooperation is to survive. And through language and the ability to discern intentions, the humans develop fear and defense mechanisms against potential threats, including the supernatural kind. This is part of why even today we're still so intrigued, somewhat wary, well, aware of the various spells that are said to surround us now. The story of this malicious magic have been passed on, generation after generation. It as warnings and consequences to those who undertake foolish actions or unwelcome outsiders. Modern literature, films, television have become saturated with tales of cursed objects, vengeful spirits, and hexed individuals. We care about curses because they represent a deeper exploration of the universal human experience. Fill it to the unknown in our continuous attempts to combat this fear. Then there are hexes, and they're among the most well-known forms of curses in the occult and witchcraft community. (coughs) But they're a more powerful subset than the ordinary jinx. These mighty spells that have roots in Germanic folklore are believed to bring misfortune on their targets and have deep, deep roots in ancient civilizations dating back millennia. They're anchored in malicious intent, and in some cases hexes have been rumored to cause serious illness or even death. These enchantments would be employed against individuals or entire villages that incurred uh, somebody's wrath. Believed to be tough to break without the help of shamans or witch doctors or Various types of religious leaders through uh, reversal rituals or prayer. From Egyptian pharaohs who supposedly employed magic to protect their tombs from would-be plunderers to Greek and Roman hexes inscribed on tablets known as uh, defixiones. Hexes are leveraged by people uh, throughout history seeking retribution or protection. Ancient Romans often utilized thin sheets of lead inscribed with malevolent messages that were rolled up and hidden in spots where would do the most harm, like in graves or in wells. One such tablet was found in London. When translated according to ancient origins it read I curse uh, Maria, and her life and mine and memory and liver and lungs mixed up together, and her words, thoughts and memory. Yes, may she be unable to speak, what things are concealed, nor be able. The notorious evil line in the Mediterranean cultures is also believed to be a form of hex that could bring uh, ill luck to those who fall under its dreaded gaze. And, you know, these are just a minor handful uh, of the various hexes spread across history, with supernatural influences weaving their way through uh, our evolutionary timeline. You know, originating from the, the Viking Age, these uh, the Scandinavian ruins, these enigmatic stones bearing inscriptions and runes, a unique script that adds an air of mystique to our already fascinating history. While well, some of these artifacts were erected as memorials or boundary markers, others are explicitly cursed by their creators. They typically feature striking designs that include uh, serpentine patterns and elaborate depictions of mythical creatures crafted in various shapes and sizes. One particular uh, impressive example, the uh, majorca Torp uh, runestone in uh, Bleking Sweden, carved in the Elder Futhark, thought to be the oldest recorded runic alphabet. Translates very simply I foresee damnation. The inscribers tried to imbue these um, artifacts with the malevolent magic to uh, inflict fortune on those who dare to damage or disrespect them. Curses were essential element of ancient Norse belief. people believing they held immense power to affect fate and fortune well into the Viking era and beyond. So these messages likely uh, had significant importance at the uh, at the time they were uh, applied. By conjuring uh, malicious forces through these rune stones, individuals likely sought to protect their land and property, and avenge wrongdoings by evoking ill intent on transgressors. Then we have cursed manuscripts. In the Middle Ages, alchemy and mysticism were at their peak, giving rise to various manuscripts that are believed to be cursed. These works c- contain spellbinding text or a series of rituals and incantations that could uh, summon demons, bestow power on the reader, Suspectingly harm the reader or others. The Codex Gigas, also known as the Devil's Bible, is a prime example of such a cursed literature. Legend has it this massive tome was written by a monk in exchange for his soul after he made a deal with the devil himself. According to the legend, the monk inserted the devil's image as a token of gratitude according to Unexplained Mysteries platformed by Any Mysteries. However, according to some versions of the mythology, the portrait was painted by the devil himself. Then there's ours, Goethea, first volume in a series known as the Lesser Key of Solomon. This comprehensive compendium contains detailed instructions for summoning 72 demons, each one accompanied by an elaborate illustration. It's long been rumored that merely possessing the book, let alone opening its pages, could bring a disastrous consequence to those who uh, dare seek its arcane wisdom. Many other renowned manuscripts, from long ago, are said to be hexed, including the the Munich Manual from the fifteenth century and the Grand Grimoire, which is thought to have been written at some point in the fifteenth or sixteenth century. Then, from Curse manuscripts. Let's turn to voodoo. You know, in the mystifying world of voodoo, the power of suggestion can't be uh, underestimated. Just a whisper of a deadly curse can instill heart pounding fear in a believing individual. It feels so palpable that even in on its own has become known to actually trigger death. Physiologist Walter Cannon. Documented numerous cases in Australia among Aborigines believed to be victims of bone pointing, a malevolent spiritual technique akin to voodoo. Allegedly, victims bewitched by this ritual become consumed by intense stress or psychosomatic responses, leads to their abrupt demise. This includes people who are seemingly healthy prior to the ritual. Kennan also highlighted the case of one young um, African man who ingested wild hen only discovered that it was a taboo practice punishable by death. He died within a single day of what was described as sheer terror. And there seem to be a scientific explanation for this seemingly uh, mystical circumstance. In the scientific community, the phenomenon is known as the sensual syndrome, a warming sense of fear when an perceives perceived threat is inescapable. A sense of hopelessness takes over, and the profound cortex deliberately um, inhibits the, uh, the prefrontal cortex, that is, deliberately inhibits the production of dopamine in the basal ganglia to well below its functional level. Which means there's a scientific basis. For someone mysteriously dying. Well, from voodoo, let's turn to sports curses. You know, in pro sports, there's no such thing as a losing streak. Instead, you just have a debilitating curse. In the world of sports... There does exist mysterious, inexplicable occurrences that uh, crush fans' spirits and defy any rational explanation. I'm talking about such infamous curses as is the Curse of the Bambino, which haunted the Boston Red Sox and their fans for 86 years. The dreaded Madden Curse that has afflicted numerous star NFL players featured on the cover of the, the popular video game. And the Masters Part 3 curse that shadows the prestigious golf competition. That's a phenomenon that has uh, tormented golfers since its inception. And we'll talk about some of the quirks and customs that athletes adopt to keep curses away. Some of the superstitious fears that uh, drive them to don rally caps or maintain peculiar locker room traditions looking at how these beliefs shape their performance both on and off the field. And even in the face of scientific statistics and strategy, many find themselves inexplicably drawn to tales of a higher power on the field. Well, let's start out with the Curse of the Bambino. That's the disastrous aftermath of Selling the greatest player of all time. Now, the curse of the Bambino is said to have begun in 1919, when in-debt Boston Red Sox owner and Blu-ray producer Harry uh, Frazee sold his star player, Blake Brew, to the rival New York Yankees for $125,000, plus a $300,000 loan to pay the mortgage on Fenway Park. Now although the Red Sox won five of the first 15 World Series, the most of any team in baseball, this single event would mark the beginning of an 86-year championship drought, full of heartbreaking losses, cementing their ownership of the most famous curse in sports history. Over the next 86 years, numerous improbable flukes fuel belief in the curse and its power over this team, made it to the World Series four times and lost in seven games in every one. 1946 World Series, the heavily favored Red Sox lost to the St. Louis Cardinals in a strange play at the plate, lost to the same Cardinals again in Game 7 in 1967. 1975, it was a ninth inning Game 7 loss to the Reds. But the most heartbreaking moment came near the end of Game 6 against the New York Mets in 86, when the Sox were one strike away from winning the World Series. Congratulations, Boston Red Sox was even put up on the big screen at the stadium. When a routine ground ball rolled between first baseman uh, Bill Buckner's legs and the cursed Sox lost the game, and gave up a 3 to nothing lead in Game 7 to lose the series. Well in two thousand four the Red Sox were down three games to none in the ALCS, losing to the most hated rival New York Yankees. When they clawed their way back in game four to win in extra innings and came back to win the next three games as well. Only team to ever come back from a three to nothing deficit in the playoffs. In the World Series, they faced the St. Louis Cardinals once again. But they swept them. The curse of the Bambino was finally broken. Now, not quite as damning as the curse of the Bambino was the Black Sox curse. It was believed by many that a sport-shaking scandal led to this particular dry spell 1919 World Series 8 players from the Chicago White Sox, including legendary shoeless Joe Jackson, were accused of intentionally losing games to the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for payoff from gamblers. These players became known forever after as the Black Sox, created a scandal and sent shockwaves throughout the baseball community permanently tarnishing their reputation and casting a dark shadow over the entire sport. And I don't know were these players banned from professional baseball for life, but their team would be plagued by a seemingly unbreakable run of bad luck that lasted for decades. The curse moniker, the curse of the Black Sox, stems from this scandal, lasting reminder of a tainted moment in Chicago history. And for decades following... The incident, despite assembling talented rosters, White Sox proved unable to win the World Series, went forty years until nineteen fifty nine when they'd been winning the pennant, longest ever drought of any team at that time, leading many folks to wonder if they were still paying for the team's past transgressions. Well, in 2005, the year after the Red Sox finally broke their own famous curse that a strong White Sox team finally brought relief to their devoted fans, broke an 88-year championship drought. According to center and Aaron Rowland, if they can break their curse, we can break ours. But the curse of the Black Sox remains an enduring tale of the karmic cost of ethical... Misconduct. We're going to do one more curse today before you have to close out. We're going to talk about the Billy Goat Curse, which was said to be bright, bad luck brought on by the dismissal of a goat in search of a ball game. Well, in 1945, William Sianis, owner of the Billy Goat Tavern. Reportedly, put a curse on the Chicago Cubs after his pet goat Murphy, see Sianis himself, were expelled from the uh, Wrigley Field stadium during Game Four of the World Series due to the animal's strong odor. It fit a fit of disappointment, and anger. Sianis proclaimed the Cubs would never again find success, and he sent Cubs owner. Philip okay, K. Uh, Wrigley telegram that said you're going to lose a World Series. According to what Sports Series started his head, he said, you're never going to win a World Series again because you insulted my goat. <coughs> well, Giannis' prediction has stood the test of time. Over the next 71 years, Cubs fans grow increasingly convinced that. Team's prolonged misfortunes were due to this catastrophic decision to exclude a goat. Although a lot of sports writers chalked it up to the ownership's perennial inability to field a competitive team. Throughout this long period, several attempts were made to reverse honest's curse, including inviting his descendants to bring a goat to Wrigley Field, as well as a number of other bizarre rituals. Both with and without goats. Despite these efforts, though, the Team wouldn't win another World Series to 2016 when they finally broke the grip of the legendary Billy Goat Curse. And on that note, come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. And once again, you'll, you'll be listening to Ken on the Ken Hodno Show. Until then, have a truly great evening.